Ready? I'm ready when you are. I was born ready. Good. You're born annoying. Right, well, uh, welcome to episode 12 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name's Nick Page, and I'm joined as ever by the very reverend Joe Davis. Hello. <laughs> Hello, your, your reverend father. Thank you for that reverential introduction. So, uh, what have you been up to? Uh, well, you know, just the, the usual round of getting ready to go away and... Uh, films and stuff which i'm not going to mention because you get bored no i had a wonderful church weekend i tell you what i do want to say just coming back to that last podcast i wanted to say is that actually you know sometimes we just riff a bit i know it's hard to imagine that we would just waffle on (laughs) it's such a tightly planned show yeah and then you think afterwards i could have said everything so much better but there you go. I apologise. No, 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 I thought you said it all very well. And uh, Well, God bless you. You were very brave. No, don't be kind, because I have no response to that. I, <laughs> I, I'm used to you insulting me, and I have many yes. defences against that. Okay, I have good, nothing good. for kind okay. comments, so no. stop it. No, OK. I, w- I won't do any more, then. That's Thank fine. you. Uh, so, yeah, what have you been up to, more importantly? Well, uh, I feel a little bit spaced out. Um, at the moment, it's it's. Uh, Why do you feel uh, spaced out? <laughs> because it's it's because it, uh, it's Claire's birthday, and um, and um, so we we went to we went to the pub after church, which actually I've ju- I've just realised why didn't I start doing this a lot earlier? Because as a recovery method, it's fantastic. And then we um, and then we uh, we've had wine at lunch, and and so I feel I don't know why because that can't be the alcohol, can it? Because alcohol is very good for you. Yes, it's it's one of your five a day, I believe. <laughs> it's grapes, it's fruit. <laughs> That's right. It's essentially so. No, I feel a bit tired. We've had a lovely weekend, but I feel a bit a bit zonked, and I right. don't think the um the celebratory nature has helped. So heaven knows what what this this podcast will be like. <laughs> Up to the normal high standard, I trust. Yes, indeed, indeed. It won't make any difference. It's one of those podcasts where it doesn't matter if you're drunk or sober. Just make. Exactly the same amount of sense. <laughs> so listen, so I was, oh, I was singing this song the other week, and it was fine. Yes, you know, there's no problem with it. But I was singing this song, and it was something about you are my anchor within the veil. Oh no! <laughs> so, I'll, I'll put my anchor. I'll drop my anchor within the veil. Something like that. I'm sure, that's a euphemism. Something's happening to your <laughs> to your anchor. Anyway, it got me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was such a beautifully mixed metaphor. Yes. I thought, there's got to be a challenge here for our brilliant uh, listeners, all, all four of them. So I thought, surely, surely they, of all people, could write a chorus with gloriously mixed metaphors yeah, yeah, for us good. to broadcast. Now, you don't have to yes. sing it, but you could send in the words. And then we could give them to someone who does know how to put music. Oh, that would be brilliant. And then have it performed. We should start our own mid-faith crisis worship songs. I think that's absolutely brilliant. We should have our own little hymn book. <laughs> yes. So let's get this project Hymns started. Ancient and mid-faith. It'll be great. Exactly. Oh, that's so, a great idea. So here I am. I'm officially throwing down the gauntlet. We want a song written or a little chorus 
of of the best mixed metaphors. You must mix the metaphors up. Yes. Yes. Okay. So. so. Or uh, well, we could have a different. We could either mix metaphors or the most ludicrous biblical metaphors. Oh, that okay. would be good as well. Yeah, I'd like that'd to be see, good. I'd like to see something based on Ezekiel. It'd be great. <laughs> I won't tell you which parts of Ezekiel anyway, but we, no, we, we, yeah, that'd be good. Great. Yeah, that'd be so, great. So there we are. You can get onto that. Should we do emails? Or shall, shall I wait we? for you to say, Joe, have we had any emails? What do you want to do? Joe, have we had any emails? Yes, we have. Thank you. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, yeah, go. here's one that we've had... Um, well, we've had emails on the theme more than once about this. Glyn uh, said, what is the guitar theme tune that you use to start and finish your episodes of Collective Wisdom? Ah, it is a tune called April Kisses, which I thought was appropriate for you and I. Mm. And it's um, it, it was it's done by a guitar, a jazz guitarist called Eddie Lang who uh, died in about 1933 so it has the joy of being both very very good and out of copyright more importantly yeah. um yeah eddie lang so it's it's um april kisses uh, if you google that it's a great piece and he was he's a very interesting man actually uh, well he, he's one of the first sort of father of jazz guitar really he was the first person to sort of uh, make that really popular and um he died of a tonsillectomy Apparently he had a, quite a croaky voice, and Bing, Bing Crosby said, you should get your tonsils out, and then you can star in movies. Great. And so he went to get his tonsils out, and he died. So that, the other okay. me- lesson is never, uh, ever take any advice from Bing Crosby. Well, um, I'm slightly sorry I asked now, but yeah, oh, okay. I think, I think well, all we, we wanted was that, no, uh, <laughs> okay. thank you uh, oh, okay. for wasting right. so much precious time on that. Uh, okay, another one. Okay, so this person... Uh, did want to remain anonymous which is tricky because it means i've got to delete lots uh but he said uh thank you so much for your story in week 11 about our need to belong it set in motion a train of thought for me around how many middle-aged men feel this strong sense of no longer belonging anywhere and yet a yearning to belong i think that there are more than you might imagine take my case 18 years of stable upbringing in my hometown three years at the university finding christ a year working in somewhere else, meeting my lovely wife. Three years doing a PhD in somewhere else. First job, somewhere else. I've had to change all these to somewhere else. Four years, company relocation to somewhere else. Nine years, second job, somewhere else. Thirteen years, company relocation to somewhere else last September. And he goes on to say, people oh. say to me, where are you from? Where is home? Where do I belong? And I often feel I no longer know. At every move, the painful cycle repeats. Leave close friends with whom we have laughed, loved and cried. Try out new churches, find church, try to get to know people, start to belong and find a way to contribute to a unique set of people and circumstances. Anyway, I just like that because he's he's sort of hitting on that nerve where we ended up um, rather spontaneously last time about this whole deep issue of belonging. Mm. I think that's really interesting. I'd not, I must admit, from it, it had not occurred to me that... that um, you know, this amount of social mobility that we have nowadays can actually lead to that mm. um, kind of sense of I don't belong anywhere. And I think that's very true, actually. And, of course, it's only going to get more for people, I suppose, because our children would probably be more mobile than 
than we are. And he did also um, he did also say later on, and 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 I shouldn't really edit this out. Um, he he did say how brilliant it was to belong to his particularly lovely family, uh, yes, his wife and his yes. kids. And and of course, I realised yeah. last time I never said anything about that. I was just you know way off on my pity party and. Uh, and of course, yeah, you know, the, the, right. the family unit becomes increasingly more important in that kind of mobile context. C- certainly, our relationships, I think, are absolutely key. Yeah. And uh, you know that that's that. There's a lot of evidence about that. The depth of our relationships and paying mm. attention to our relationships. Yeah, I know. Well, that's great. Thank you for getting in touch with us. Anyway, he does uh, finish with mm. uh, Owen regarding the weekend retreat. Make that six. So there's now six of us on this retreat. Right. Although we don't have a venue. As mm. such. Well, this is where I think people can help out. So we've got a notional date, haven't we? We have. Am I allowed to reveal the date? Well, go on, providing nobody thinks this is actually ever going to happen. OK, on. well, it's September the 29th and 30th and October the 1st. So that's Friday the 29th of September to Sunday, October the 1st. So and the last weekend is September, basically. It's the Mid-Faith Crisis Weekend. And uh, we don't have a venue. Yeah, so that's the thing. I think we want to find out where the venue should be. And so I'd, uh, I'd like my listeners to suggest somewhere. We're looking for somewhere that's got um, Accommoda- know, a accommodation for twelve to twenty. Let's, yeah, let's say a, a faith bar. target, a bar, somewhere to walk and be nice, somewhere we can escape and be on our own because people will have too much of you talking and they want to get away. That's true. Well, people want to get away from me before I start talking. Actually. Often. That's quite common. Um, and, a, and a room big enough for us to meet. So I guess a hotel might work. Yeah. Um, or a sort of retreat centre. I think what we have to say is we're going to try and do this as very sort of low administrative yeah. bar here because, it, <laughs> because of the people who are organising it. Exactly. Um, so I think if people, initially, if people can suggest perhaps um, where it would be a good place. I thought in between you or me. I thought nearer me than you. Well, I thought rather nearer me. So we want a, we want a nice place to meet. Mm, I guess mm. we'll work out the sessions as we go. But I should say, Nick and I will not be taking a fee from this weekend. So it will just be the cost of the accommodation and consumables. Is that right? That's, that sounds about right. Yeah. That sounds about right. I, heaven, if this comes off, it will be a major miracle, <laughs> I think. Evidence that miracles still exist. You know, we're so bad at organising it, we're actually doing it on air, asking people to help. How pathetic is that? Is that pathetic or is that just leaning on our community? Yeah, you're, you're, you're right, it is pathetic. Yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. good point. <laughs> anyway, great. Uh, Any more emails? Yes, yes, we had a great email from... Uh, well, we've had lots of great, just kind nice emails and thank you everyone uh, we don't tend to read out the emails that go hey thank you for you know saying stuff but we are genuinely grateful okay so uh here's one from peter he says hi nick and joe he says i have a small group of buddies whose world like mine has been steeped in church ministry leadership of christian organizations etc etc we meet up from time to time but are not quite sure how to engage with conventional church do we stay away altogether, remain the awkward squad in the corner, largely ignored by the clergy, because while we're biblically literate and thoughtful, we're perceived as difficult? Or do we find some creative new way to engage? I wish it was the last, but I'm not sure what this might look like. This could be a topic for exploration if you haven't already. And uh, he, mm. he went on to say at the end, a more general thought, it strikes me that the whole 
transition crisis thing is exactly what the gospel is all about. So rather than mid-faith crisis being some aberration uh, for an unlucky few who can't keep their religion intact in midlife, it's actually a model for all of us. It's a pattern peppered throughout the biblical story. So I wonder whether we might use our experience of mid-faith crisis as a tool for wider service to the church. And how to grow and mature as Christians. Very good. Yes, Some I like good that. Good stuff lot. there, isn't there? Yeah. I think that's exactly what what we would want to. Well, well, what I would want to say is that you know uh, we I I really understand all the difficulties people have with church. I really mm. appreciate that. But you know, I think that um, we're still looking for a way. I think for us to go through this experience and to use that experience, as Pete, as Peter says, as a as a tool for wider service to the church, whatever the church looks like so i don't think it's about hiving yourself off yeah and uh you know hiding away i think it is even though sometimes that might be what you need to do but i, I personally you know I, I want to look for ways to serve the church yeah. yeah you know i really do i don't want to sort of yeah withdraw from that um but, but he made that really interesting point about largely ignored by the clergy because that that we're biblically literate and thoughtful but we're perceived as difficult uh, but that's a really interesting point and please can i do a plug for the next podcast uh, because in the next podcast uh, we're doing an interview well i'm doing an interview with dave Steele, and i think more than anyone i know dave dave would not find people like peter and his friends difficult in fact dave would welcome them with open arms and 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 they would find a home in that place mm. he's mm. he's such an inspiring uh, chap and 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 the model of church i know i keep banging on about this church but it has given me hope and you know there are times in your life when you're feeling a bit you know tired and cynical and you don't really want to you're not even sure where your anchor is let alone whether it's within the veil or not <laughs> and um and so you know, here is a model of church that gives me great hope. So please, you know, listen to that and uh, and and send in your comments. It's just a yeah. plug. Yeah. So I mean, that's those are kind of things that hopefully we could all get together and um, talk about, and then shrug bewilderedly and head to the bar. Exactly. That's really what we're about. It is. Good. So I, well, I've got I've got a I've got an email here. Is a letter here uh, right. from someone? So I don't know if I can read it out. Uh, it says, Dear Mr and Mrs Davis, thank you for inviting me to the gathering of what I can only describe as your cult. Um, I'm afraid I will be unable to attend on medical grounds. My doctors have ordered me to avoid two things, long journeys and prats. <laughs> however, I, however, I will be praying... For you, or against you, rather. As a seasoned <laughs> prayer warrior, I spend many hours a day praying against things. Sometimes I pray against evil. Sometimes I pray against principalities and powers. Many times I pray against the bar of the hand and shovel, seeking the power to resist temptation or a dry sherry, as it's known. So it would be useful if instead of wittering on about films like you usually do, you could address <laughs> prayer for once. Yours, Ethel Saddle Person, 15 Fluffy Hat Villas, Upper Ramsbottom. Um, I think Upper Ramsbottom is her village where she lives. I'm not sure. Um, well, it's sad that Ethel can't join us because I had her down for a keynote speech. Yes. I thought she'd be great opening. Thing. <laughs> anyway, um, but at prayer, funnily enough, once again, prophetically... Yes, she's. You were going to she's say put her. She's put her prophetic finger on a major problem. Yes, uh, it, yeah, a major issue with the church, prayer. 
and um, we thought we'd we thought we should talk about prayer because um, and this comes back maybe to a bit about what the previous email was about mm. about serving the church. Uh, you know, I thought we should start uh, an infrequent series called uh, "Stuff We Have to Do as Christians, Even Though We Might Not Like It and We're No Longer Part of the Official Church." So suck it up. Yes, good catchy title. Thank Is that you. good? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Part um, one. In other, part one. In other words, that you know, whatever your status whatever your uh, yeah. um, affiliation or whatever there is stuff that we do as christians yeah um that defines um in fact being christian and i think prayer is one of them prayer is absolutely fundamental but it is undoubtedly difficult i think for many people well here's the thing i mean and you know i've preached more times on prayer than i can remember and most of those sermons probably haven't been the greatest sermons in the world though if you've listened to any do feel free to write in but so here's one of the things that I would start us off by saying about prayer, which is it's so bespoke, it's so unique, it so depends on your personality and your stage of life and your stage of faith. And one size does not fit all when it comes to prayer. So I can remember doing, you know, like we're having a week of prayer and all this sort of thing. So in the same congregation, you've got a mother of three, you know, under five, say, age children, and you've got a single bloke who lives on his own, or was maybe retired. So you're going to, uh, you know, talk about this is how we want you to pray in the coming week, and this is what we're setting aside time. And one size so obviously does not fit all. Or we've, yeah, we've, we've yeah. designed this great prayer room here, and you could just come and give an hour of your time, and it you immediately start excluding people so when we talk about prayer we've got to be talking about a lot of different things mm. that encompass mm. your stage of life your personality who you are and just an understanding that what you were taught perhaps early on when you're in that kind of learning the laws of faith stage is a very simplistic model for prayer and won't by any means cover all of what prayer is well perhaps it would be helpful for us to think um, define what we mean by prayer anyway um i think for me the most helpful definition i found is uh, in a book called true prayer by kenneth leach which is a great book actually a fantastic book he defines prayer very simply he says it to, to pray is to enter a relationship with god and to be transformed by him that's nice yeah yeah so i mean i've often heard prayer as you know being like uh, talking with God about what you're doing together, which is a sort of Dallas Willardy kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. But I think actually, it's not. Sometimes it's not about talking anyway. You know, sometimes it's just about being with God. But I think there should always be that sense, firstly, of a relationship. There's part to do with your relationship with God, and secondly, that it's about transformation. And that kind of covers whatever you're doing, whether you're asking God for something, you know, um, whether you're uh, confessing something to Him, whether you're just simply meditating, whether you're simply thank thanking him in wonder but there's always that aspect of how how am i inviting god to change me through this you know how am i inviting god to to help me uh, redirect and and reflect on my own life um and and like you say that happens in yeah. so many different ways interestingly one of the an organization that i i'm involved with once did a and I, i'd led sort of prayer retreats for them they did a sort of survey of their staff on how they like praying you know to try and find the model for these sort of prayer and fasting days and yeah. and 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 it absolutely splits down the middle. Some people just want, you know, 
talky prayer, kind of prayer yeah. with lots of people, small groups, lots of things yeah. to pray about. Blah, 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 blah. You know, half the organisation wanted that. Half the organisation wanted silence. You know, <laughs> and yeah, so you go, I'm not sure how we blend this, except to say, well, let's do bits of both. You know, so yeah. that we give to each other. In other words, we engage in a practice that people, some people like, and then we we do that. I think with silent prayer, quite often it is a more mature thing. I think sometimes, uh, as you're older, I think silence gets more, yeah, more attractive. Yeah, certainly to many listeners of this show, a silence will be very attractive. I thought so, but I mean, it's <laughs> I, I mean, you know, if you take that in my own marriage, like my wife is very, you know, it's quite introverted, right. and I'm more extroverted. Certainly, right. when we were younger, more extreme on those things. I think as you get older, you do tend to move towards the centre of it. But that, that meant that prayer meetings were a horrible thing for her, where you have to spontaneously yeah. think and speak. And, you know, Rachel wants time to sort of think about, you know, what are the things I really want to say in prayer? And, mm. you know, what do mm. I... Because I use my words carefully, whereas I'm verbose and just chuck stuff out and I don't really have to think about it and I like the sound of my own voice and, you know, regardless of whether other people do. And so, you know, I tend to sort of prattle and waffle on because I can. Mm. And even though that is not necessarily the most helpful thing for mm. the people who are there. So it's a personality dynamic to it all. And I like what you said about, you know, reflecting on myself mm. in prayer. Did you say that? You said that a couple is. of things that distracted me. You said Ken Leach and he's like a film director. And that's Ken Loach. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. I'm sure he's there. Okay. Anyway, and you oh, said about... Dear. <laughs> I'm sorry. You said reflecting... On, you know, mm. and, and I read a, there's a lovely book by Rowan Williams um, being a disciple oh it's brilliant yeah. oh it's fantastic the last chapter is about life in the spirit I think it's called mm. uh, it's just I mean it's a brilliant simple book it's only about 80 pages long but it's, yeah, it's those are, full his, of depth He's done a range of he's done a number of sort of slim books which are based on talks often that he's given and they're, oh, they're really fantastic they are brilliant anyway he was he was talking about sort of Prayer, he says, is the ability to step back from what I'm thinking or feeling or wanting and creating space around those feelings and instincts and emotions and desires. And I thought, well, that that in a sense is a definition of contemplative prayer. So yeah, he is yeah. linking prayer with self-awareness in that in yeah. that moment and linking prayer with realising that actually... You're a human being with thoughts and feelings and everything, but it's an important point that you are not your thoughts and feelings. You are no. the person having thoughts and feelings. And if you can just step back for a moment and create some space around those thoughts and feelings, you may discover, I think, a, a quite profound experience of, of the divine. I think that's true. You know, I think what he's describing is... is... Uh, what we call sort of contemplative yeah prayer. it because, is yeah but prayer like if if prayer is essentially sort of well in some some sort of writers on spirituality call it the primary speech you know it's the basic thing of what we do really because it's our relationship mm. with god and i mean i think there's an honesty in that as well therefore mm. in a relationship so any relationship will all will have times of you know at its peak those kinds of things those uh moments of awareness and reflection and when we can uh, disengage and where we can look at ourselves objectively without without judging without feeling we're, we're, we're being judged 
I think on the other side of it, it also has those moments when we just cry out in in yeah. when there's no objectivity, when there's crying out in pain or anger, when we're when we're saying to God what we truly feel, revealing our fears and our our, yeah. our honest thoughts. I one exercise I found incredibly helpful, which is actually to speak out loud on my own. So I often yeah. go out for walks yeah, and I, I actually talk to God out loud yeah. on the walk. I mean, yeah. the dog is there. You so, are that nutter. You know, yeah, that people, yeah, precisely. People, walk people see me coming. Yeah, and, of course. Well, actually, the way around that is if you put your headphone in and you talk out loud, it looks like you might be speaking remotely on the phone to somebody. <laughs> so that's quite good. So you don't look quite so paranoid, schizophrenic. You know. But I do, and good I tip. find it. Um, you know, I I find it amazing because I find I can just speak out, and I can, and I find myself saying things that I about myself almost that I didn't know. You know that that I wasn't aware of. But as a very simple thing that you can do, go for a walk, you know, somewhere remote or find a room or somewhere where people can't hear and literally just talk, talk to God. I, it makes it so much more real rather than if we try and always keep it quietly in our heads. Yeah, I agree. You know. I agree. I mean, I don't want to agree because it makes for a more boring podcast, but I completely agree with you. And I do that. I, I think the thing that I want to say is the background doubt, the background question in my mind always. And I've had this all my my life, really, is does praying about something actually make any difference mm. to the outcome so for example my daughter left her case on the train this week and uh, i don't know that i really think god works like this but i i prayed you know god just enable that suitcase to be returned safely and for it not to be stolen and mm. missing because it had financial information, it had diaries in it, it had all the things, and we were quite worried. And incredibly, it did turn up uh, today. In fact, so you know, there's huge relief, and I'm I'm thinking I've got a heart that is grateful. Yes. But, uh, but at the same time, you know, once you've had those thoughts about God, please give me a parking space, and you hear people pray this way, don't you? And, yes. and you know, yes. get a parking space. And you think, well, why haven't you dealt with all those people in South Sudan? Yes. Yes. How come you're giving parking spaces to nice middle-aged British people and you're allowing all these people to die who we're also praying for? Yes. You know, so... so I heard I heard something good about this though, to the other, uh, just uh, a couple of days ago. I was at a um, conference kind of retreat thing and a guy there was speaking about prayer. And some of the stuff he said I, was stuff I've heard a gazillion times. Some of the stuff was drifting into... You know, you know, when we talk about prayer, it's so difficult not to drift into two areas, which is one is transaction and the other is technique. You know, one yeah. is that it, uh, I'm doing a deal with you, God. I'll pray about this. Here's yeah. a transaction. Now you have to deliver. And the other thing is, oh, you know, prayer works if we do this. Prayer works if oh, we yeah. do that. It's Say technique. the magic words. Yeah. yeah. If we all shout at once, it'll show how passionate we are mm. and all this kind of stuff. It's a load of old intercessions, that was. Anyway... Um, <laughs> But what he did say, which I thought was really good about, you know, that old chestnut about praying for a car parking space. Is, is yeah. God really going to do yeah. that? And his point was almost exactly what you said, that, that he thinks, yeah, why not? Why not pray for a car parking space? We don't know how prayer works in that sense. We don't know what's going to happen. But the point is, if you if you suddenly find that you do get a parking space, you end up being thankful for a, for a yeah. piece of concrete. Yeah. And what's wrong with being thankful for a piece of well, concrete where you can park your thank car? Thank you. There's nothing wrong with that. You see, I think this this could be the second naivety 
again because I think if the Psalms give you permission to do anything it's to rant about whatever you darn well like if you're yeah. having a really rubbish day then complain about it you know if if life is not going well complain about it if you want to mm. blame God for how awful things are you blame God because God can seem to be able to handle that I, I'm not sure of how you split emotional health and spiritual health and physical health you know I don't know to me they're all so interlinked but I, I do think that part of good emotional and physical well-being is being able to articulate to God exactly what's going on inside. There's something very healing and profound about that. So I think, I know that for long periods of my life, I've got caught up in, well, what's the point in prayer? It doesn't mm. really change. You know, I've prayed for people to be healed and they've died and I've prayed for people to get better and sometimes there's been a bit of an improvement. And sometimes, you know, I'm tempted to think, I don't know that me commanding a few things or saying a few things makes any difference, but I actually, I'll keep doing it. Mm. I'm going to keep mm. doing it because mm. there's a sense in which it's aligning my thoughts and my focus and my attention. And I don't know whether in some spiritual dimension or subatomic dimension, things actually do change and move. Uh, that starts to sound a little bit, random well i i mean i have seen things that i've i would say are miraculous i have seen them yeah i have seen what i would say is miraculous answers to prayer and and uh you know a lot of my work is with persecuted church uh and th certainly th their testimonies are of uh, miraculous provision but you like you said at the beginning there's also points where god doesn't answer prayer so it's what i mean I, intercessory prayer that kind of prayer is always a problem it's a problem if it doesn't get answered. It's actually also a problem if it does get answered. Yes, it then is. Because why, yes. why did that one why get that answered one and, and not the other one? Exactly. So it's always going to be a problem. But we've instructed in the Bible, pray about what's on your heart. Pray for stuff. Ask for stuff. So I'm going to carry on doing that because actually it's about being real with my relationship with God. I, this, mm. you know, it's about being honest, about this is what I care about. And, um, yeah, and I think I think that's okay. All I'll say about that is I remember upsetting someone recently because really? they were talking about all the healings they've witnessed, and yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah it was very recently. And I, and I just said, well, here's the thing: we live in a new age where everything goes up on YouTube. I mean, even in the poorest countries, they got mobile phones; they record stuff. And I just think, if there were as many healings as some Christians say there are. We'd, we'd be watching them all, they'd be going viral. You know, if we were seeing more people who were born blind just suddenly receiving their sight after prayer, or more people famously with, you know, one leg missing, growing another leg. And, you know, those are stories I've heard. And I've heard, you know, lots of stories about people rising from the dead and everything. And it's not that I want to be old Thomas here, well, just, but I am. I just, okay. I feel a bit cynical when prayer just becomes about asking this God who's out there somewhere safe to do something for us down here where things are bad. And to, I don't think I believe that's how prayer works. I don't think I believe that's who God but, is But what's the anymore. flip side of that? If you go down that route... Jack, no, I'm still you, praying You end up, you don't ask God for anything. No, and, and I what do are you going to say? Are you going to say to the mother or the father of a child who's... Well, don't bother praying because, no, frankly... No, you know, I ain't no. going to make a blind bit of difference. No, and I, I promise you, 
I pray for dying people and particularly younger people all the time because I see the pain and devastation and anguish it causes. And I, I think it is an important part of my humanity that I cry out to God yes, to yes. save life. Yeah, yeah, I do. And I'll, I, and I'll never stop doing it. But, it but, but the journey to the point where I now pray for people to get well and to be healed and the journey where I might pray for a case to be recovered that's gone missing on a train has been a journey through going, what the flip is prayer all about? I don't know that I believe anything. It, you know, I couldn't be where I am now unless I'd journeyed through that. Yeah, and I sure. say, I see in sure. my asking some higher purpose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so. Um, I, I think it's one of the prayer is a paradox, but it's a really important. It's really important. I think we engage in that paradox of we yeah. just sort of go with yes. it. Yes. And and right at the end of Matthew's gospel, there's this bit where it says, um, uh, they believed and they worshipped him and they believed, uh, but and it's always translated as but some doubted. Yeah, it's brilliant. That? It was weird. but but actually in the Greek the word some isn't there. Actually, it's but they believed. But they doubted. Ah. They believed, but they doubted. There's always that thing going on with us. Yeah. Belief and doubt. Belief and doubt. And, and, and those two things. And I think in the end of the day, you just go with, with honesty. Just go with, this is how I feel, God. This is what I want. This is what I want to happen. Yeah. Yeah. These are the desires of my heart. So I don't, I'd like you yeah. say, second naivety, I'm quite happy now to both pray for good weather and to understand that God is not going to alter the weather patterns of the Western Atlantic just so that I can, <laughs> I can have, have a nice, nice holiday. Have beer in the but, garden. <laughs> but it makes me more thankful when, when it happens. And what's wrong with being thankful? It's quite yeah. a good thing. Really. And, uh, and like you, I think, I, I feel like part of what it means to be human is to scream and get angry and cry out and ask and do things. But... What I learn is to let go of the outcomes. The you know, mm. the longer I go on, you know, I am not in control. Perhaps that's no. part of what praying is. Perhaps part of prayer is learning. I'm not in control of this situation. Well, careful, but... we'll be we'll be back in surrender again. And then oh I'll get in trouble. yeah, you will, you will. will. Yeah. Anyway, um, we've we've talked for long enough and come to no real conclusion. Unusually no. for one of these podcasts. Yes, who'd have thought? So, uh, what do we want to say to people if you're struggling with prayer? Um, I would say don't give go, up. Don't give up. Absolutely, no. don't give up. And I would say just go for a walk and talk. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Go for a walk. Cast off your inhibitions. Have a talk. Uh, a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, uh, Trevor Hudson, oh, says yeah. God is interested in what you haven't told him yet, and sometimes that just comes out through talking. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So, uh, Joe, you're going on holiday. I am. Yes, thank you. So the next podcast will come live in Mexico. And, uh, yeah, have a lovely time and uh, don't drink too much tequila. No, it won't happen. And listen, people, please keep writing in. We we love your emails. We love to hear what you've got to say. And, uh, yeah. you know, we'd love to hear what you've got to say about prayer. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be bound to be more useful than what we had to say. Uh, right, so thank you, for, thank you for listening and we'll be with you in another couple of weeks. Bless you all. See you. Bye.